Hi guys, I'm Gabby Joya, um, MS3 here at OHSU, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones, if you could go ahead and just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. Hi, my name is David Jones. I am an emergency physician here in Portland, Oregon at OHSU. I am the Associate Residency Director for the EM Residency, as well as the Co-Fellowship Director for the EM Education Fellowship. So it seems like you are the perfect person for this podcast on fellowships today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, I guess the first thing I want to talk to you about is who does fellowships after emergency medicine residencies and why do they choose to do them and what are some of the options out there for them? So I think that you hit upon a, a very key point of the why question. Um, it turns out that in emergency medicine, you're going to wind up being exposed to a lot of things that a fellowship will train you in just in general practice. You are going to have critical care patients. You don't need to do a critical care fellowship to necessarily perform critical care in the emergency department. You're going to have pediatric patients. You don't necessarily need to do a pediatric emergency medicine fellowship to see pediatric patients. You're going to, if you so choose, do research and administration and education, all the different fellowships that we have. You can be exposed in the emergency department just in your daily practice. So the reason to do a fellowship is really because you want expertise in that particular field because it is a requirement for a specific type of job that you want that is maybe outside of your general emergency medicine practice or uh, it is something that, that you feel personally would be very rewarding to you and is something that you yourself would like to do you will hear people say that the that a fellowship sometimes is a $200,000 mistake because you can just do a lot of the things that you would be learning in your fellowship in practice, but again, that doesn't get to the true why of people would be doing it. Money is just one small factor in the total equation that goes into this. And then can you tell us a little bit about which fellowships are available to residents right now? Yeah, it turns out that the fellowships available to residents and the fellowships actually also, not just residents, but to faculty, are expanding. There are, in the U.S. right now, according to the SAM.org website, there are 731 different U.S. emergency medicine-based fellowships. And those include administration, critical care, education, EMS, global health, healthcare policy, hyperbaric medicine, pediatric emergency medicine, simulation, toxicology, ultrasound, wilderness medicine, research. Uh, and then I happen to know that there are emergency physicians that are going into fellowships that are not traditionally EM bound, including I've known, I've known an emergency physician who ended up going into a pain and addiction fellowship. I've known an emergency physician, a couple actually, who have gone into palliative care fellowships. So there are an uh, increasing number of post-residency training options that will uh, expand your repertoire. You know, one of one of my favorite uh, fellowships that I've I've heard about is aerospace medicine, which specifically focuses on. Um, it, it's a fellowship that is, uh, I believe, only in Houston, but it might also be in Cape Canaveral, and is affiliated with NASA and deals with actually space medicine, which is pretty rad. 
There are uh, other flight medicine, specific flight medicine ones that look at kind of flight physiology and are often involved in, uh, in retrieval aspects of things. Austere medicine, which is a, uh, oftentimes affiliated with uh, wilderness medicine or mass gathering medicine um, that specifically looks at how do you provide care in, when you don't have resources. And while, again, all of those are, uh, they're, they're kind of uh, niche and interested type fellowships, there is an element of specialization and, and the different fellowships will have kind of their own realm of, of research, their own uh, realm of recognition that goes into them that may only have a couple dozen uh, providers that are involved in that specialty, but are they are truly a a unique subset of knowledge that, that they have. So now one thing about different fellowships that is important for a, someone who's interested in a fellowship to look at is what is this going to wind up doing for me and for my career? Uh, there are certain pathways that you can get the training in, but you don't necessarily get a certification in. And so something like a research fellowship, an education fellowship, an administrative fellowships that are not under the auspices of the ACGME, uh, those are fellowships that you will get training in and you may even get a certificate of some kite from that institution, but you won't have a, a board that recognizes you or a uh, uh, necessarily a, a global certification presence. On the other hand, there are fellowships that if you want to do that thing, you probably need to do that. If you want to work at a poison control center, you probably need to have gone through a toxicology fellowship and actually be a toxicologist. Did you do a fellowship? I did. What did you do yours on? I actually, I did my fellowship in emergency medicine education. Um, I knew that coming out of way, way back when I was a high school teacher. And so I figured out that I enjoyed teaching and I enjoyed education at that point. And throughout medical school and then throughout residency, that was a truism for me. So right after residency, I went into an education fellowship uh, with the goal of becoming residency leadership. Some of these residents who go through a fellowship then, um, in order to kind of have an expertise in one area, um, something that they're passionate about, what does their life look like afterwards? Will they still be working in the emergency department? Does it open up different avenues of the hospital where they can then work? What do you typically see happen after people complete fellowships? That really depends on the individual and the fellowship. Uh, a lot of the fellowships do open up other avenues. Let's take ultrasound, for instance. An ultrasound fellowship allows that provider to be very good at ultrasound. It also teaches them, though, about uh, quality improvement in ultrasound. It teaches them about uh, directing an ultrasound program. And so many times someone who is ultrasound trained may wind up being the uh, ultrasound director for their individual department or even taking on a role in a much greater sense throughout the hospital as a ultrasound director for the, for the entire institution. In that role, they would wind up teaching uh, providers in the ICU. They would wind up teaching physicians on the floor. They would wind up working with uh, nursing staff on ultrasound-guided IV access. So there's a lot of things that having an ultrasound fellowship would allow them to do. Um, 
toxicology, you know, like I said earlier, if you are interested in working at poison control, then you need to be a toxicologist. But if you choose to be a toxicologist, you could theoretically do just that and no longer work in the emergency department. On the other hand, you have to remember that with all of these fellowships, the underlying training of emergency medicine is still there. And so all of these fellowships through emergency medicine, they are still emergency physicians and can practice in the emergency department. They just have other options available to them. And just to hit on some of the kind of most common fellowships that are out there, can you tell us a little bit about what an academic fellowship entails, how long the program is, what um, they're kind of accredited in afterwards, and then again, what their role would look like down the road? Again, that's going to depend on the specific fellowship. Within the, the, we'll call them academic fellowships, I would count administration, I would count education, I would count um, maybe healthcare policy, simulation. Um, and what those fellowships, they are really in many ways gearing someone up for a career in academic medicine and a specific niche within that career in academic medicine. So say the administrative fellowship is going to train people to become ED directors and potentially move on into chair roles or dean roles. Whereas the uh, education fellowship really is giving people a firm background in education theory, education research, with the idea that this person can go on to become a an educator uh, beyond just the I like to teach, but someone who's designing curriculum, someone who is uh, running a program, whether it is a fellowship or a residency or a medical student clerkship. Um, simulation falls similarly into a vein along the education side that they'll become experts in simulation training and so oftentimes we'll have interactions both within the institution where they may be a sim director at a departmental level at a uh, at a hospital level but they may also be very involved in pre-hospital care and training of paramedics uh, they may be leading um, some of the the programs in uh, ACLS and BLS in PALS, some of the, the coursework that goes into certification. Now all of those uh, that we just talked about, uh, healthcare policy and research, sorry, also are preparing people to be researchers and oftentimes those include um, book training and grant writing, training in um, you know, intensive training in statistics and research preparation, along with a very, very concerted effort for towards mentorship. Healthcare policy prepares people to engage in the policy realm, um, and whether it is uh, policy in Washington D.C. or more on the state or local level, um, that is a skill set that is something that not every physician necessarily has. The length of these fellowships ranges. They generally tend to be one or two years, um, although that is not an absolute. And what people do with them really depends, again, on what people are, uh, what they're getting into it for. Someone who does a health policy fellowship may actually be looking at that as a mechanism to get into politics. They may also be looking at it as a mechanism to change uh, legislation and advocate for certain things. Someone who does a research fellowship uh, likely is looking to get into research um, and have that as a major career pathway, whether that is as a part-time thing or their full-fledged career depends on what their, their final choice is. 
people who are interested in education uh, and education fellowships oftentimes are looking to become leaders in that field and and uh, take uh, take a, a leadership role in a program whether it's a residency a fellowship a clerkship um, a medical school uh, that's another pathway that might be looking towards a dean of student affairs or something like that and we talked a little bit earlier about the administrative you know those are people that are kind of preparing themselves to take on leadership roles uh, within a department or within a hospital and so so really the why comes back into the fellowship question of why are people choosing to do this. Just because you do a fellowship doesn't mean that you have to wind up doing that. So it really depends on what the individual wants to get out of that fellowship and then how they choose to apply it and when they choose to apply what they learn. So we talked a little bit about academic-based fellowships. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the critical care fellowship? How long the, pro the programs typically are? What types of skills they really focus on, whether it's intubations or resuscitation or um, how that pans out? Yeah, critical care is an interesting one. Um, critical care, it turns out, is not... Uh, not board certified under ABEM, the American Board of Emergency Medicine. Um, it was a couple years ago now that uh, the only pathways into critical care were to do a internal medicine anesthesia or surgical residency um, to get into adult critical care or a pediatrics residency to get into pediatric critical care. Um, a couple years ago, through a lot of efforts by the emergency medicine societies, those three groups, meaning uh, anesthesia, surgery, and uh, internal medicine, started to allow EM residents to do critical care fellowships and sit for the boards underneath the critical care banner of the overlying specialty. And so a emergency medicine physician who does a critical care fellowship might wind up being emergency medicine certified under the American Board of Emergency Medicine, but be critical care certified under the American Board of Internal Medicine or something like that. Um, once they get into the fellowship, they are treated like a fellow within that specialty. So uh, they're going to be trained in both intensive care, um, which is kind of the longer term management of a lot of these people, um, learning about feeds and how to care for someone who uh, is unable to care for themselves due to medical illness. Um, and they're going to learn about the critical care side of things, which is the immediate, if I don't act now, this person is going to die, and how do I resuscitate them appropriately. The fellowships, I believe, in critical care tend to range somewhere between one and three years long. For a student, before a resident were to dive into a particular critical care fellowship, it would be very important for them to look up both what the requirements are under a specific uh, board, licensing board, as well as what that particular fellowship uh, kind of block schedule would look like to figure out, oh, am I getting into uh, a requirement to do anesthesia research, to do surgical research, to do uh, internal medicine research, to do a lot of uh, airway management. Am I going to have to uh, spend some time in the uh, you know operating room just learning how to do that? Uh, things like that, that that might be a little bit outside of the norm for an emergency medicine physician. 
You brought up a good point about how emergency medicine residents are doing this for multiple reasons and it comes down to why. I'm curious what your thoughts are on navigating the paths to get to a final destination. For example, someone who's interested in doing PEDS emergency. What are your thoughts on doing the PEDS residency and then an emergency medicine fellowship versus doing the emergency medicine residency followed by a pediatrics fellowship? That's a great question. And, and that is, uh, for, for some of these fellowships, that becomes a, a particular thing. We already talked about critical care has multiple pathways. Um, pediatrics has multiple pathways. Global health can have multiple pathways. Um, toxicology actually has multiple pathways. Um, pain, uh, palliative care, wilderness medicine, hyperbaric medicine. So many of these have multiple pathways that can get them there, sports medicine. Um, and so the decision about what your end goal is really does begin when you're a medical student and you're thinking about what specialty go, to go into. Jumping back to the pediatric emergency medicine side of things, um, there's a couple things, a couple decisions that should go into that early on. There are pathways to get into it from emergency medicine and be then credentialed by the American Board of Emergency Medicine or by going in through it to through pediatrics and being credentialed by the pediatrics board. However, if your training is under the pediatrics board, it's a three-year fellowship because all pediatric fellowships are three years long. Um, whereas if you do your fellowship uh, training under the American Board of Emergency Medicine, it's a two-year fellowship. Um, by virtue of how that was designated. And so kind of the, the first, one of the first steps is looking at things like that. How long is my training gonna wind up being if I go through these different pathways? Uh, there also are different trainings going to happen um, prior to getting into a fellowship. The emergency medicine physician is very well trained in resuscitation um, and is going to be really an excellent person at the resuscitation of the sick kid, the procedural aspects of the of the specialty, and they're going to uh, be able to intubate and reduce fractures and all kinds of things. Um, they might not actually be as good at recognizing the individual rash that a uh, parent brings a kid in. Um, they might not be as comfortable with the uh, four-day-old that initially comes in. Now that will come with training and will come with exposure, but what they come into the fellowship with is going to be different than say the pediatrician who may or may not have as much procedural exposure, who may or may not have as much resuscitation exposure, but is going to know in and out the what is normal for a newborn, what is abnormal for a newborn, uh, is going to know absolutely how to uh, identify a rash and what is important be able to give maybe some of the some of the softer skills that parents really are going to want to see from a child um, and so so kind of the ultimate output is going to be a pediatric emergency physician either way uh, if it's peds to pem or emergency medicine to pem either way that's going to turn into a pediatric emergency physician who is an expert in that field but what they start off with and the resources that they begin with really are going to be affected by the pathway that they end up taking. That kind of brings me to my next question is how often do people go immediately into fellowships after residency and how often do physicians wait, work for a while or until maybe even 15, 20 years and they decide they want some sort of change of pace? 
It's a great question. And I think the majority of times people wind up going into fellowships right out of residency. That is far from absolute, but many physicians wind up going uh, and figuring out kind of during residency, this is a type of practice, this is a type of thing that I like to do, and I want to get further trained. Um, so I think that the majority of people that do fellowships wind up coming in directly out of that. That being said, there is a significant minority that does go and practice for a couple years um, and then comes back once they've kind of established their own practice pattern in emergency medicine in order to get further training in whatever aspect. And then like you alluded to, there are people that might practice emergency medicine for 10, 15 years and then realize that that the pace of emergency medicine or the particular practice uh, environment is um, not what they ultimately had envisioned um, and uh, go back for a fellowship to, uh, to make a change. I read an a article once um, that was talking about uh, toxicology as not a that doing toxicology training in later in life is a great lateral move for an emergency physician who is getting worn down by working nights and weekends uh, in the emergency department when they could be uh, kind of running a poison control center and being a, uh, involved more in, in being on call but less having to do hands-on overnight type activities. Um, and you could make a similar argument for many of these different specialties. Uh, sports medicine tends to be a specialty that is uh, clinic hours. And so for an emergency physician who is, um, again, getting worn down by working nights, weekends, holidays, uh, doing a sports medicine fellowship might still allow them to be involved in the medical arena, uh, but have a um, different focus to their career. When you are interviewing students as for the residency programs, do you all take into account if they have an interest in fellowships at all? Is that kind of factored into y'all's decision making or is it still not necessarily um, play a role in, in the process? I ask about, one of the questions that I ask every, every interviewer that comes in, or any, every interviewee that comes in, um, is where do they see themselves in five years and where do they see themselves in ten years? Uh, not as much because that's something that I'm going to necessarily hold them to, but because it is a, uh, it helps me figure out kind of what their pathway is. For instance, uh, our, our emergency medicine program here doesn't have a, a hyperbarics program. We don't, we don't have that, that exposure uh, necessarily. And so a resident who comes in that they very much are interested in hyperbarics and that's what they want to do and they want to try to try to expedite their interaction with that, that's maybe not the right we are not the right program for them. Um, and so it does kind of help me figure out uh, what it is that um, their, their ultimate direction is going to be with the firm caveat that what someone thinks they want to do as a fourth, fourth year medical student may be very different than what they want to do as a third year resident, may be very different than what they want to do as a fifth year, tenth year, fifteenth year attending. And so, yes, I ask about their interests, but I don't hold them to that and there, there's a lot less specific uh, weight that gets put on to what someone thinks their downstream career is versus 
what they're going to be expected to do. What type of salary increase do people that have gone through fellowships have compared to people that haven't? You know, it is, uh, again, varies based on the specific fellowship. Not just a specific fellowship, but also where that fellowship is applied, what ends up happening um, with that. Pediatric emergency medicine from an EM to PEM standpoint, um, oftentimes, interestingly enough, is a slight pay decrease because of kind of market forces. Uh, for a pediatrician going into PEM, it's a, it's a pay increase. And so kind of that balances out to a slight decrease for the typical emergency physician who winds up seeing mostly kids uh, in a pediatric emergency department. For the non-clinical fellowships, it really depends on how they're applied um, and may wind up having no salary effect at all. For the some of the, the clinical fellowships, such as critical care, it might wind up in an increase in salary depending on um, how they balance that out. In emergency medicine fellowships, the salary bump is a lot less often than it would be, say, for an internal medicine fellowship, where there's a significant increase in uh, salary if you go from a general internist to a cardiologist or a general internist to a gastroenterologist. Being a emergency physician who has training uh, in ultrasound may or may not wind up changing your salary at all. Being an emergency medicine physician uh, who has training in um, wilderness medicine likely isn't going to change your salary much, um, but is going to give you a different skill set that is going to allow you to apply your training in a different way. And again, that goes back to the very beginning of this discussion of why are people doing it money tends to not be the reason that people do fellowships in emergency medicine because there isn't much of a salary change. On the other hand, interest and career longevity and staving off burnout and things like that, those are absolutely reasons that people consider and do ultimately go into fellowships. The, the thing that I want people to come away from this with is that fellowships are certainly a great opportunity. They are a training that makes you a specialist within that field, but fellowships in and of themselves are not required to practice emergency medicine. Um, fellowships in and of themselves are a chance to specialize, but you will still be exposed to many of the different things that you will get fellowship training in just in your daily practice of emergency medicine. So if, it, if a fellowship is something that you are just interested in and kind of yeah, that, that might be okay, then maybe being a physician for a while to see what that is like might be your best bet. If on the other hand, you are very passionate about that or that your ultimate goal is to have a specific role in that subspecialty, then uh, being involved in that subspecialty and doing that fellowship training is really a valid option. Again, most important part of that is that you ask yourself, why am I doing this? What am I trying to get out of this? And, and really sitting down with, with your mentors and your advisors to figure out if a fellowship is something that for your career goals, something that you want and need, or if a fellowship is something that you think might be cool um, and might be interesting to have, but isn't something that you actually need to do. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jones, for taking the time to speak with us today. I think it's really important for all of us considering emergency medicine to hear about the different career paths available to us and the options um, and fellowship programs that are out there. 
And um, it was it was especially nice to hear it from you, given your position as the co-director of the Emergency Medicine Education Fellowship here at OHSU and your own personal experience having gone through a fellowship and now practicing as an emergency medicine physician. Um, thank you so much again, and we look forward to talking with you more.